Good morning. My name is Bryce Bowman. I'm the pastor of the Stevensville Seventh-day Adventist Church. And I'm grateful to be with you here this morning for chapel, even though I'm not there in person. I want to share a message this morning regarding or relating to the kindness of God. Uh, it's a story found in the Old Testament. It occupies an entire chapter of the Bible. It's a story about a young man named Mephibosheth. And it, plain, it paints an incredible picture of the character of God and the plan of salvation. But before we do that, let's take a moment to ask God to bless our time together. Father in heaven, thank you for the hope we have in Jesus. Thank you for the gift of salvation. And thank you for your word that reveals to us how much you love us and the plan that you have put in place in order to rescue us from sin. We ask for your spirit to guide and lead our thoughts as we open your word this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Our story this morning begins with the death of Saul. Saul is engaged in the battle with the Philistines. David, on the other hand, is out in the wilderness. And a message reaches David that in this battle, Saul has been killed. And not only that, but uh, even more serious for David is the fact that his friend Jonathan has also been killed. And when this news reaches David, it's kind of remarkable that David, instead of rejoicing, because Saul had been persecuting him, instead of rejoicing, the Bible tells us that David and his men tear their clothes and they mourn at the death of Saul and Jonathan. Now, Jonathan is a remarkable individual. We know the deep friendship that Jonathan and David had held. And Jonathan was a rightful heir to the throne. But Jonathan was willing to submit to God's will. And he knew that God had chosen David to be the next king of Israel. And God had used Jonathan to actually preserve David's life when his father Saul was trying to kill him. And so news here comes to David in the wilderness. But the news of the death of Saul and Jonathan also came to Jonathan's son, Mephibosheth, who was five years old at the time. And when the news reaches wherever he was staying... The nurse that was caring for Mephibosheth recognizes the danger that this young man is in as an heir to the throne. And so she takes him, and in her haste to get him to safety, she drops him or she trips or something happens. Both his ankles are broken, and with no doctor to set the bone, the bones, he is left a cripple for life. And in 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, we find the following description. The Bible says, And Jonathan, Saul's son, had a son that was lame of his feet. He was five years old when the tidings came of Saul and Jonathan out of Jezreel. And his nurse took him up and fled. And it came to pass, as she made haste to flee, that he fell and became lame, and his name was Mephibosheth. Now years pass. Mephibosheth grows into a young man, has a son of his own. David also is established on the throne of Israel. And the story of the meeting of these two men is incredible. In fact, as I mentioned a moment ago, it occupies an entire chapter in the Bible. It's 2 Samuel chapter 9. We'll, we're going to go there in a moment. And I think God has recorded these things in Scripture not just to fill space. But in this story, God is painting a picture for us, revealing a picture for us of the plan of salvation. So David here in the story in 2 Samuel chapter 9 is sitting on the throne and he's thinking about Jonathan, remembering the plans that they had made together. 
talking about the time perhaps when they were, David would be king and Jonathan would be right there by his side. And he remembers the covenant that they had made together when Saul was trying to kill David. And David is sitting there in 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1. We find this remarkable, this remarkable thing in Scripture. David said, Is there any that is left of the house of Saul? that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. You can sense the, the ache in the heart of David as he's thinking about his good friend. And in 1 Samuel, if you go back a, to a pre, the previous book, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 to 17, we read about this remarkable covenant that David and Jonathan had made together that evidently David is thinking about on this day. Bible says this, 1 Samuel chapter 20, verses 14 and 17. Jonathan speaking, And thou shalt not only, while yet I live, show me the kindness of the Lord, that I die not, but also thou shalt not cut off thy kindness from my house forever. No, not even when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David, every one from the face of the earth. So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hand of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him, for he loved him as he loved his own soul. And so evidently David is sitting here on the throne, thinking about this covenant that he had made with Jonathan. To son, and he wants to show this kindness to the house of of Jonathan, to descendant of Jonathan, who had just been killed. Now, I hope you're thinking with me about this, because sometime prior to creation, before the foundation of the world, God the Father and His Son enter into a covenant relationship together. And that covenant is a pledge that in the event of man's fall, that they had covenanted together that God would give His Son to come and into this world and to redeem the fallen race. Like the Bible calls this the everlasting covenant. It's a covenant of love bef between the Father and the Son. In fact, Ellen White says it like this. This is from Youth Instructor from the year 1900. She says, As the divine sufferer hung upon the cross... Angels gathered about him, and as they look upon him and hear his cry, they ask with intense emotion, Will not the Lord Jehovah save him? Will not that soul-piercing cry of God's only begotten Son prevail? Then were the words spoken, The Lord hath sworn, and he will not repent. Father and Son are pledged to fulfill the terms of the everlasting covenant. God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Christ was not alone in making this great sacrifice. It was the fulfillment of the covenant made between Him and His Father before the foundation of the world was laid. With clasped hands, they had entered into solemn pledge that Christ would become the surety for the human race if they were overcome by Satan's sophistry. What a beautiful, a beautiful account of that covenant. And so if we go back here to 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, David says, Is there any 
yet left of the house of Saul, that I may show him kindness for Jonathan's sake. As Jonathan looks on the lineage of the fallen king, and seeks for someone to show kindness to, for Jonathan's sake, David represents in this story, in, in typical fashion, the God the Father. Saul, the fallen king, represents Adam. You know, we're told Adam was crowned king in the Garden of Eden. You can find that in Volume 1 of the Bible Commentary, page 1082. And it's interesting that Jonathan means God has given. God the Father, like David, looks upon the lineage of this race of rebels... And he says, is there any left of the house of Adam that I might show kindness for the sake of the one that I have given? For the sake of Jonathan, for the sake of Jesus, the one that God has given. Now Psalm 14 verses 2 and 3, the Bible says this, The Lord looked down from heaven upon the children of men to see if there were any that did understand, if there were any that did seek God. They are all gone astray, they are all together become filthy. There is none that doeth righteous, no, not one. Is there any that will listen? Is there any that will hear that I might show the kindness to them for the sake of my dear son. What a picture unfolds in this story between David and Mephibosheth. It's an incredible picture of the everlasting gospel. Now David gets the response to this question that he asked, if is there any left? Second Samuel chapter 9, reading on in verse 2. And there was in the house of Saul a servant whose name was Ziva. And they, when they called him unto David, the king said, Art thou Ziva? And he said, Thy servant is he. And the king said, Is there any, yet any, of the house of Saul, that I may show the kindness of God unto him? And Ziva said unto the king, Jonathan hath yet a son, which is lame on his feet. And the king said to him, Where is he? And Ziva said to the king, Behold, he is in the house of Machir, the son of Amiel, in Lodabar. And David here discovers that Jonathan, unbeknownst to him, has a lame son who's yet alive living in Lodabar. Evidently, Mephibosheth has been there in hiding because he has a misconception of David and he fears the retribution of the king. It's fascinating to me that Mephibosheth is hiding because he has a misconception of the character of the king. And many of you, some of you, Many people in the world around us are hiding because they have a misconception of the character of the king. Now, it's likely that Mephibosheth may see, John, or may see David as a usurper of the throne. It's possible that Mephibosheth has even come to hate David. Now, it's fascinating. Lodabar is difficult to identify exactly where it is. Uh, it's likely somewhere east of the Jordan. It's a desert place. It's a deserted place. Uh, it literally means no pasture, which is fascinating because Mephibosheth is hiding from David in a pastureless land. And if you have been hiding from God, your life will be barren. 
It will be characterized by unfruitfulness. You may have an abundance of the goods and the things of this world, but you will never find the peace that will only come through a relationship with the king. Now in verse 5 of 2 Samuel chapter 9, David sends and he fetched Mephibosheth out of the house of Machir, the son of Amiel from Lodabar. Now Machir was a rich man. Mephibosheth is hiding from the king in the house of a rich man. Reminds me of the parable of the prodigal son. Now David sends his servants to go and fetch Mephibosheth. And God has called us to be servants to go and fetch those who are hiding from the king. Now Mephibosheth had to leave his life of exile behind. Now you can imagine the the turn of events in the life of Mephibosheth when there's a knock on the door and the servants are there and they say, Mephibosheth, the king wants to see you. And I'm sure Mephibosheth probably thought, well, this is the day that I have been dreading. Because there's only one reason why a descendant of the former king would get a summons from the present king. And Mephibosheth realizes, I'm going to have to stand before the king and it's likely that he's going to execute me. Must have been a terrifying thing for him to respond to this call. He could have fled. He could have gone into deeper hiding. But he decides to respond. Perhaps the servants share with him, No, no, David is not what you think. The character of the king is different from what you've been told. Now when Mephibosheth, verse 6, the son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, was come unto David, he fell upon his face and did reverence. And David said, Mephibosheth. And he answered, Behold thy servant. And David said unto him, Fear not, for I will surely show thee kindness for Jonathan thy father's sake. And I will restore unto thee all the land of Saul thy father, and thou shalt eat bread at my table continually. And he bowed himself and said, What is thy servant that thou shouldst look upon such a dead dog as I am? Mephibosheth had done nothing to deserve the kindness and the compassion of David. This was kindness completely unmerited. It was extended to him entirely for the sake of Jonathan. Remember, Jonathan's name means God has given. Now, he was no better than a dead dog, as Mephibosheth attested of himself. And yet, David shows him favor and kindness for the sake of someone else. Now, the Bible says in Titus 3, 5-7, Not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy He saved us, by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost, which He shed on us abundantly through Christ Jesus our Savior, that being justified by grace, he, we, should have, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. Now, if we think about the implications of what David is saying to Mephibosheth in this story, what he's saying is, I will show you kindness for the sake of your father Jonathan, and I will restore all that had previously belonged to your father Saul. Now, don't miss the point here. Because David is saying, I'm going to show you kindness for Jonathan's sake, but I'm going to restore the land that Saul had lost. Now picture this, this, this picture here, this scene that we see unfolding in the story is a picture of the judgment. 
Now, Jonathan, as we said a moment ago, or Mephibosheth, rather, we said a moment ago, is standing before the king. He's expecting what he believes he deserves, and that is death. What he actually deserves. But yet, David shows kindness to him. He could have executed Mephibosheth because of his relationship to Saul. But, instead, he vindicates him because of his relationship to Jonathan. Now, we're of course, living in the time of the judgment that began in 1844. And the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 10, that we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Now, we stand before that judgment seat. God will extend kindness to us completely unmerited. Not because we deserve it, but He will say, I am going to show kindness to you for the sake of Jesus, my Son. Now, what a tragedy to refuse that kindness or turn our back on God or to reject the invitation of mercy that God extends to us. Now, if we read on in 2 Samuel chapter 9, the Bible says this, Then the king called Ziba, Saul's son, and said unto him, I have given unto thy master's son all that pertain to Saul and to his house. Thou therefore and thy sons and thy servants shalt till the land for him, and thou shalt bring in the fruits and thy master, that thy master's son may have food to eat. But Mephibosheth, thy master's son, shall eat bread always at my table. Now Ziba had fifteen sons and twenty servants. Then Ziba said unto the king, According to all that my lord the king hath commanded his servant, so shall thy servant do. As for Mephibosheth, said the king, he shall eat at my table as one of the king's sons. And Mephibosheth had a son whose name was Micah, and all that dwell in the house of Ziba were servants unto Mephibosheth. So Mephibosheth dwelt in Jerusalem, for he did eat continually at the king's table, and he was lame on both his feet. Mephibosheth, the kindness of the king was lavished upon him for the sake of his father Jonathan. He received the inheritance that his father Saul had lost, and he eats as royalty with the king and with the king's own sons. And I, you know, just thinking about this as an aside, imagine the as he's sitting at the table, that white that white tablecloth covering the shame of his lame feet. What a parallel! Because of the unfaithfulness of our father Adam, the kingdom has fallen into the hands of the enemy. The grand inheritance that should have been ours was lost. All of us are like Mephibosheth, lame on our feet, living in a strange land, exiled, a pastureless place. All have sinned, the Bible says, and fallen short of the glory of God. And not only does God forgive those who heed His call and give them a lewd life for the sake of Christ, but someday He will restore everything that our father Adam lost. And we will sit as royalty at the king's table in His kingdom. Now, have you ever experienced in your own life the kindness of God? Have you fallen before Him in contrition of heart and like Mephibosheth, confessed that you are but a dead dog, and then allowed the king on the throne to lavish his love upon you? To allow him to forgive you? To set you free? 
Not for your own sake. Not because you are worthy, but for the sake of Jesus. You know, none of us can walk straight, talk straight, think straight, or live straight. We have fled, fled from the presence of the King. We have a misconception of who God is. We think sometimes that He is a tyrant on the throne seeking simply to punish us rather than to show us kindness for the sake of the one that He has given. For the sake of Jesus. Now in spite of our fears and our misconceptions that we often harbor about God, the question of God the Father as He looks upon a race of rebels comes to us this morning. Are there any left of the house of Adam that I might show my kindness unto them for the sake of Jesus, my dear son? Are there any that will listen? Are there any that will hear? Are there any that will heed the invitation? God is inviting you, calling you to come before Him. I want you to think about this this morning as we close. Will you allow Him to forgive you? Will you come to Him? Will you heed the invitation? Will you say, Lord, I am but a dead dog, but I will accept the invitation of mercy. I will allow you to lavish your love, to extend your kindness to me, not because I am worthy, but because Jesus is worthy. Friends, Jesus offers, God the Father wants to lavish His love upon you. Jesus offered Himself on your behalf. And He says this morning, will you accept? Let us pray. Father in heaven, thank you for this wonderful story. Thank you for the testimony of your word that reveals your kindness to each one of us. May we heed the invitation. May we come before you and allow you to lavish your love upon us and forgive us and cleanse us that when we might be ready for the soon coming of Jesus. Thank you. It's for his sake we ask. Amen. Thank you. Have a great day.